Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Or We can't start here because we're 15 minutes into the conversation. So let's go here. <laughs> Where do you think... Where do you think Brooklyn, like, Brooklyn's 10 games over 500 right now. They're the fifth seed. Where do you think they go the remaining part of the season? The play-in. Okay, top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they've got two and a half on Miami, and they got quite a, I mean, two and a half. They got like five and a half on Atlanta. That's seven and eight, so you want to stick with that. The play-in. Where are the Knicks? The Knicks in the top six? Knicks the top six, yeah. Yeah. They beat Atlanta last night, matter of fact. Garden about to be a movie again on the low. Back in the playoffs. They can't what for what? They can't win games at the Garden. <laughs> right. They win games on the road. It's the only the New York Knicks are the only team in the league playing for <laughs> uh uh road team advantage. <laughs> they do not want to play at the Mecca. They're like, man, it sucks here. Road it's, team it's just on the road. Yeah, um, I think. I mean, I think Miami's the only Miami seven, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think Miami yes. is the only team that really has a chance to catch them. Atlanta. It's interesting that they're that far back because I thought Atlanta yeah. had been playing really well as of late, um, but maybe they were so far. They're back. not. They've lost two in a row. They've lost six of their last ten. Mm. They're they're a game below. Uh, 500 right now, and I'm here for it for reasons I'm not really clear on. Mm. I'm here for it. I'm here for the failure of the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know why. I swear I don't. I just they, don't because they behave ridiculously from time to time. Trey and, is that uh, it? Trey and Dejounte. That's probably. I guess that's it. Yeah. I, saw I, I like Nate McMillan though. I'm not. Root, I'm not. I'm not going to root for Nate McMillan's failure. I like him. No. They. I'm not um, like you. I don't root for Nate McMillan's failure. <laughs> <laughs> I love Nate McMillan. He's good. He's good in my hood. Um, I the the, the the point being, it might just be the Heat that have a chance. I don't I don't know if Atlanta really has a chance, so they might stay in the top six. I think Brooklyn can survive this, and you know, obviously they've got all of these picks. I don't know. You know, you got Jacques Vaughn now. I I, I don't know if it, it, that's technically it's a, it's a coaching vacancy, almost in the same way that the Boston Celtics had a coaching vacancy before this morning, like. You might have forgot that Jacques Vaughn is actually the the, the, the interim head coach of, yeah. of the Brooklyn Nets. So I, I don't really know what that means. I don't know if they're an attractive destination franchise or whatever that stuff is. But much like in 2019, I see it. Like, I, I, can, I, can, I can see that. And I think I think a little higher of Mikel Bridges than you might. But I think they're around for the rest of this run. And, and, and I think they could – I don't know what they could do in the playoffs, but I think they're going to fight. And I think they're going to be scrappy. I think they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, I think I think they're going to play hard. I don't think they're a, this this terrible team or anything like that. Honestly, when I said they fall into the play, and I thought Atlanta was closer. I guess I was dead wrong. Yeah, on they're that. Not. five and a half. Yeah. Uh, they're five and a half behind Brooklyn, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they can make that up. Yeah. So it would be Miami, and if they did fall into the play, and they'd be like seven or something like that. Um, and then they can they could get their way into the playoffs that way through the play in. I don't think they're a bad team. I just think they're they're slightly below where they were before KD and them got there. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. They're slightly below and you know, asset wise, they got a they probably got more assets, more draft picks than they had before he got there. So they're 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 in an okay position. They're not gonna fall off the face of the earth. They've got to find a way to turn those those contracts and, and some of those yeah. pieces into a franchise guy, whether that's through the draft or whether that's through trade, whatever the case may be. Because Michael, Michael's really good. I don't think Michael is a franchise player. I, I, just, I just I just don't think he is. A lot of people in the chat What's, think I'm sleeping on him. I don't think he's a bad ball player. He's a he's a really good ball player. 
But what's next? Franchise. What's next to a franchise? Like a number two type player. <laughs> no, what I meant was, how would you like like just an all star? Because not all all stars are franchise players, right? Like I don't think D'Angelo Russell's a franchise player. I think he's very good. He's a very complimentary mm-hmm. piece. I think we've learned you're not building around D'Angelo Russell. Again, that does not mean he's not good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just means I, I, I if 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 Mikel's not a franchise, he's a to to me he's a, you said you said number two. Okay, I'll, I'll go with that. He's a really high end number two to me. I could see that. I could see. I, I could see that. Mikel is, is a good ball player. I'm not. He's also going to be playing. Him. He's 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 going to be playing in a, in a different way that like the, the, there's no like Devin Booker. There's no Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. You know. There's no. He he's he's going to be playing in kind of a different setup. Like he. It, it it's 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 a it's a bit too far to, to say. You know, like a James Harden situation. James Harden leaving o- Oklahoma City, going to Houston, and and having the opportunity to be the guy, but. Not saying he's that caliber of player, but he does have that same opportunity. I, I'll, I'll I'll compare it to like this. I look at I look at Michael Bridges like Jeremy Grant. How do you feel about Jeremy Grant? Oh, I I, I no, I think higher of Michael Bridges than Jeremy Grant. And Why? I do like what is I he, like. Jeremy. What does he do on the court? Like at a greater greater uh, at a great higher level than Jeremy Grant. I think he's a better defender. I think he's a better pretty good defender. That's how he that's how he kind of made his money almost. No, I'm I, 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 you asked me who was better. I don't think Jeremy Grant's a bad defender. Mm-hmm. I think Mikel Bridges is a better defender. Okay. I think Mikel Bridges has the I'll show myself out because I know how you feel about this individual. I think Mikel has Paul George potential. Yeah, no, he ain't got Paul George potential. He ain't got that. I'd maybe, disagree. maybe, maybe not. Maybe not as an elite of a scorer as Paul George was. I think he has the, and I can't think of a. I think he has the ability to be a great two-way player in the league, a twenty-plus point per game scorer, <laughs> and then his defense. <laughs> JV in the chat, man. JV saying kind of Kawhi like. <laughs> I don't think he's Kawhi like. <laughs> I don't think he's Kawhi, man, but man. I don't think the Paul. I don't think the Paul George's comparison is crazy. Paul George was an MVP uh, candidate. Mike no, Kelly. I like once you bring that up every time. He was an MVP candidate once. He was MVP candidate in in OKC, and and that was it. And and with the Clippers, he had an MVP two MVP campaign. Paul George took with them the to Clippers? the Western Conference Finals. Paul George did what? He took them to the Western Conference Finals. Oh, the Western Conference Finals. What when? What year was that? 2021 it was not the bubble the bubbles when he became pandemic p oh <laughs> that was cold that was cold he did i do i do remember i remember the 2021 run now michael really um, good I just, I just don't think he's i i like you like you started off saying i hold paul george probably higher than 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 you do not to say that you think he's bad, but I think Paul George. He was an elite scorer. Like, I don't want that to be lost. Like, yeah. Paul George was an elite scorer. And really, really. Might what, still be. What, what, I, what I, when I see the differences between those two is creating off the bounce. I don't know if Michael has that. I think he's a, a hell of a spot-up really? shooter. Hmm. I think he's a hell Man. of a spot-up shooter. He's a, is a nice slasher. But when it's like, hey, go to work here at the top of the key, break this guy down. You got See, you know you got guys that are that are spying you. You rise and fire off the bounce. Like, I don't think he has that in his game. You 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 just asked me. <laughs> it's funny. You just asked me what I think Mikel does better than Jeremy Grant, and that's literally what I was about to say. That I think he does better. I think he can create better than Jeremy Listen, Grant. I think can. they're about the same. I think mm. they're the same. I think they're the same type of player. Jeremy Grant, a twenty point per game scorer in this league. Yeah, I think he can, the, he can get it I, off the off the bounce as a I, slasher, not. Hey, I need you to 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 create this whole thing. And he could, he did that one time in Detroit. They didn't win no games, but he did that yeah. first season in Detroit. Again, it's not it's not one is good and one is bad. Right, right. right. It's right. which one's better, and that's I, I think Mikael Bridges is better at that. That's why in, in, in those two same, categories, I think they're the I mean. same player, and they're both really good. Brooklyn moved up on my during this conversation right here. Brooklyn has now moved up on my league pass ratings. Oh yeah, I want to check them out. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm I watching. Like those I like Cam Johnson. Uh, I want to see what happens with Finney Smith. I want to see Spencer Dinwiddie. Cam Thomas. I wanted the Kings to draft him. Yeah. I didn't think he'd yeah. be this, but I saw what he did at LSU. I was like, this dude will get buckets. So yeah. and they're an interesting squad for sure. I haven't tapped into League Pass a lot. I realized uh, the Mavericks Timberwolves the other night was like the first time I had really locked into League Pass in a while. Mm. Yeah, I'll and be tapping in. I'll be tapping in. I've been uh, I, been all over these Kings. I games. love I love what the NBA does, and I hope they never change. I hope they never change. I love the arena feed. I hope that never changes. That is gold. I love it. You know who didn't participate in that? Jackasses. The Warriors. I was watching Warriors-Wizards the other day, and the Warriors did not give the arena feed to League Pass. I don't know if it's something that they all What, do they give the TV feed? What do they do? They just show, like, a wide shot of the arena. Oh, I got you. So instead of seeing... What's on uh, the scoreboard on your TV screen... You just yeah. see a wide shot on there. I, like I said, I don't want to disparage Joe Lake up and then. Maybe that was just a one-time thing. Maybe the connection didn't work that day or whatever. But, yeah, they didn't do that. I was like, I hope this isn't what they always do. I, you know, I wouldn't know because I never watched the Warriors feed. So I don't know. Oh, well. <laughs> Not interested in that one. <laughs> it's probably the most relatable thing Kenny Caraway has ever said on this show. It's we we are not interested in that feed. Let me change this stream. <laughs> My goodness, we'll 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 table all of this because uh, we've got company. We're going to talk to Chris Peterman here uh, in just a heartbeat. I wonder if he would for... trade Debo in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> you you could ask him that question. That's that's the that's the lead question. We're we're going to talk Kings basketball, with Chris Peterman. We're going to start with the Debo question. We're going to tar- start with uh, uh, TC's Debo question. Um, a, a couple of things to to get back to, to later on. Them damn Kings memories. We're going to get to those Kings memories. We, we, we can discuss some of them uh, with Chris Biederman uh, as well. He's going to join us here in just a second. Um, and we're talking about league pass here. And I know that the uh, I I know the most useless human being in professional sports uh, spoke uh, Rob Manfred about uh, what's going on with the Diamond Sports Group and how some of these regional sports networks could very literally be gone uh, and what that might mean uh, for Major League Baseball. I have some questions on that. Don't really care about Major League Baseball, but it influences other it impacts other sports. And I, I, I got questions. I got ideas. I'm an idea guy. You got a problem? Let's solve it. Uh, so we'll dive into that. Chris Biederman joins us when we return here. Oh, we might save it for tomorrow. Okay. But the MVP conversation. Oh, yeah. We got to talk MVP. Either the K- King's memories or MVP. One of them are going to have to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> Chris Biederman joins us next here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. D-Lo and KC continues. Streaming live on the Odyssey app. Odyssey app's a great way to listen to D-Lo and KC. Arguably the best way. Uh, we appreciate those that are listening on ESPN 1320 or 98.5 FM HD2. You guys have any predictions on who will win between Tank and Ryan Garcia? The chat wants to know. No. Chris, Tank, the, Ryan those, I, I'm not a not a UFC or fighting person, so I don't even know who those people are. Just say Chris tank. is a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> exactly. Just say Tank. Yeah, that's, tank. That's tank. Tank, sure. I know that's your guy. I, I, I know that's your guy, so when I'm – when I get through security at the Caraway compound, I'll be I'll be cheering on Tank Garcia, t- Tank for sure. Uh, tank over Garcia. Uh, we welcome in our good buddy Chris Biederman, who for some reason I sent to Salt Lake City this morning. I, I don't know why I did that. I thought I thought you were in Utah for the All Star break, but you're here no, with us, uh, and we're thrilled about it. You want to lead with the? T- <laughs> you, you did we ever find the origins of this? Was this like a trade proposal on Twitter or something, or where did this come from? I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming it was on Twitter. It was probably reported somewhere or whatever. I saw it. I saw like some vague reference to it on Twitter. I didn't see the actual conversation. But then our mm-hmm. guy TC he called in and he talked about how there was a a Twitter rumor out there of the 49ers trading Debo Samuel to the Patriots for the number 14 pick in this year's draft. TC said he would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> Your thoughts? So. Please? If they did it, they would incur $28 million in dead salary cap space. <laughs> so, so I don't really see any path to that happening. Um, did you hear about this? Like, did you see the rumor? The- uh, so I saw I saw the tweets. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, particularly this time of year. They're, like, for whatever reason, in February and March, Niners Twitter seems to latch on to every crazy thing they hear and people talk about it and then assume it to be true. And a lot of it just ends up being complete nonsense. So I, I wouldn't read a whole lot into that, particularly given that there's 28 million in, in dead money. The team's just not going to take on just to go get a draft pick. But I will say, like, say a year from now, like it wouldn't be the craziest thing for the Niners to decide that they want to deal Debo instead of giving him another contract. Like that, that wouldn't be crazy to me, particularly given, you know, you see receivers get traded throughout the league and, mm. and it was kind of an interesting test case in the Super Bowl in particular, because you had the chiefs who traded away Tyree kill, maintain a good enough level of offense to win the Super Bowl. While on the other side, a team like the Eagles traded for AJ Brown, and then he completely lifts them. Right. So there, mm. there's, it was an interesting juxtaposition in terms of like where receivers at are in the NFL because one team added a guy and it was huge for them. Another team subtracted a guy and it all, it ultimately didn't hurt them. Like the Niners are going to have to pay Brandon Ayuk at some point. Do they want to wrap up, you know, $40 million a year in their, in their two receivers, you know, so it wouldn't be crazy to me if after next year we're having more legitimate conversations about trading Debo Samuel when there isn't all that, that dead salary cap space. I don't know exactly what what it would look like financially next year, but I think it's I think it's far more reasonable than this year because they're not going to do they're not just going to take a twenty eight million dollar cap hit to to trade a guy just to get a draft pick. That's not happening. I think I think we're two years away from any real discussions about Debo going. Like I, I if you but he only has it, two more years left on the contract, so you're not trading him. You're so, losing him in free agency, so he, which is also possible. So what he what he did was he signed an extension. It wasn't a new contract when what he got this past off season. Uh, you know what? I'd have to double check. This is bad radio. I was I was not prepared to talk to you about Samuel. But, oh, this uh, is the type of radio we do. We just we, <laughs> is that we, 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 we get it on. Is that how we do it? Yeah, yeah. Now, you're, you're, I, I will say this while you look that up, Chris. Um, I saw some, t- and maybe you could you could help me out with this one. I saw some uh, article that said a restructure to Trent Williams' contract could save the 49ers like fourteen million dollars <throat> under the cap. Yeah, you with that. So Debo is signed. Yeah, so he basically they they have an out next year. Um, there would still be a significant amount of dead cap, but I think they could work around it. Anyway, Trent Williams basically signed two three year contracts, so it's a six year deal, but there's an out after three years. Um, but the thing is, with all their big money deals, is they can be reworked, right? Mm-hmm. the The only the only thing is with reworking the contracts is you're essentially kicking the can down the road in terms of guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. So it becomes more difficult to move off of that contract down the line when you shrink 
the salary cap number in the short term. So, yeah, when you look at, you know, their big money contracts, whether it's Fred Warner, Eric Armstead, or George Kittle, there's a certain level that they can rework to create cap space. And I'm sure Trent Williams, that was all built into Trent Williams' contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they'll be able to do, you know, I'm not expecting them to like bring in any like big ticket guys. Mm-hmm. But they're gonna they're gonna be able to do some things that they need to do uh, in in free agency, whether it's you know re-signing Emmanuel Mosley or um, you know maybe if they go get a right tackle or something if they don't want to pay Mike McGlinchey. But yeah, they're they have avenues to create cap space for sure. Casey, you got anything more on the 49ers? <laughs> we just crushed TC's dream of trading Debo <laughs> for a 14th pick. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have anything. Next week. Uh, next week is the. It's the day next, I don't know what day of the week that is, but 22nd, Rock Party. We'll find out officially what is going on in that elbow. And um, Chris, while well, I got you here, Chris, I think Purdy's QB1 if he's healthy, right? Yeah, if he's healthy. Yeah. If he's healthy, unless, I mean, so six months, which has generally been the estimate, assuming it's just a repair and not a reconstruction, would mean he's, you know, he'll be throwing – presumably in june and then able to like throw in a football capacity like participate in practice at some point in august Mm. the question is if brock purdy's practicing for two weeks ahead of the regular season coming off the injury after missing the entirety of the offseason program is that enough like is is he going to have enough reps um to get that done that's that's really the big question because during that time, you're going to have Trey Lance, the guy you invested three first-round picks in, mm-hmm. presumably getting all of the first-team reps like he did last offseason when he went into the year as a starter. So did Brock Purdy do enough to where Kyle Shanahan feels comfortable making him the starter without getting any reps for six months versus this guy that they thought was talented enough to be their starting quarterback last year, having him get all the reps? Like, It's not a... I don't know that it's like a a super easy decision, particularly if Trey Lance plays well. If Trey Lance doesn't play well and isn't practicing well um, in August, then it's a pretty easy decision, I think. But if Mm -hmm. Trey Lance comes out and plays pretty well and improves a lot, then then it's going to force Kyle Shanahan to have to to potentially have to make a tough call. So Mm -hmm. we'll see. A lot's going to happen between now and then. And maybe they bring in somebody like Matt Ryan or Andy Dalton or something to, to add to the mix. But um I think it's going to be more more interesting than Kyle Shanahan was letting on at his end of season press conference when he was like, "No, it's it's just, you know, we're we're totally content with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance." Like it's it's like, "Are you <laughs> are you that's that's a question I would love to love to throw a couple blueberry blueberry Red Bull and vodkas in into Kyle Shanahan and get his real answer on that." That's a hell of a dream. Buddy. These, these these conversations sound so familiar. It's almost as if we had them before last year. Run Just it back. Change the names a little bit. <laughs> Run oh, it back man. indeed. Um, Chris Biederman, Sacramento Bee, kind enough to join us. Uh, of course, he covers the San Francisco 49ers, and he covers your Sacramento Kings as well. Chris, we're headed into the second part of the season uh, a week from today. We know the flaws that the Kings have. Interior defense or perimeter defense, or we, we could pick apart a number of different things on the defensive end. The question is, do you think headed into the second half of the season, any of that stuff is going to be corrected? I think it'll be corrected in terms of the rotation, maybe shortening, right? Like I think it's been telling to me that in a couple of these overtime games, when Demonis Sabonis has fouled out that Mike Brown has opted for Trey Lyles to play the five instead of Chemezi Metu or or Sean Holmes or anybody else. I think that speaks to maybe having that in their back pocket going forward that, you know, maybe instead of trying to, to replace Demonis Sabonis's production when he's on the bench or unavailable with another center, it's all right, let's just play super fast. We'll play small. We'll play fast. We'll, we'll play five out. And, and that's the way that, we'll try to get a leg up on some of these other teams. I think the Kings are probably more content with, I know Mike Brown preaches defense and and he's a defensive coach and, and I totally get that. But I think overall, one of the reasons why they didn't make a move to improve defensively at the trade deadline was because they realized that they are who they are because of the offense that they play. And if they were to get somebody like Matisse Thibel, I think overall the net result 
yeah, you might be a little bit better on defense when he's on the court, but you're losing your identity offensively, which is to have shooters all around the floor. And that's what makes the Kings as effective as they are offensively. And then, you know, you're maybe a little bit better defensively, but you're a whole lot worse offensively. And overall, you're a net negative, like mm-hmm. when you do that. I think that's ultimately the way they view this thing. So they're a team, like when the Warriors were were playing well, like they had, you know, a distributor, whether it was Raymond Green or Andrew Bogut or whatever, and then a whole lot of shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kings want to have that same thing. So I think their rotation's probably going to be, you know, down the stretch run and in the playoffs, like seven, eight guys max. And uh, I, I think they shore up some of their some of their deficiencies that way by just shortening the rotation. And look, maybe that's maybe it's Terrence Davis getting Malik Monk's minutes, right? Like we're, we've seen Terrence Davis the last couple of nights take advantage of the opportunities he's been given by providing energy, providing some shooting, um, a little bit of defense. Like you know, he was playing down the stretch in that Dallas game on Saturday, um, and and played pretty good defense like was was on Luka Doncic and and was you know flying around the perimeter when when the Kings limited the Mavericks offense Mm. um in that spot so you know I I think we're I'm not gonna ever expect this version of the Kings to be like a top 10 defensive team but I do think there are ways for them to get a little bit better just by shortening their rotations and sort of instead of trying to like be be the deep team just rely on the guys that have gotten to this point. Yeah, Chris, I, I kind of have the same outlook as you um, with trying to bring in somebody like Thibel or Mason Plumlee or, in a trade. Is I, I've said it a number of different times. I'll continue to say it. I just think the strong point of this team this year is the way that they score the basketball. And, yes, you want to be better on the defensive end, but I don't think you want to do anything to mess with what, they, what they're able to do on the offensive end because the odds are, however much, like you mentioned, however – better you get on the defensive end it's not going to make up for what you'll be losing on the offensive end if that person doesn't doesn't mesh well with what you're trying to do on the offensive end so um i think that's the the way they they could be looking at it and i still think that the group that they have has the potential to be a better defensive team like it's not not great but you just mentioned terrence davis and what he's able to do and you know and, and keegan murray after playing you know almost 60 games in the league and Harrison Barnes and all these other guys I think they can be a better defensive team than what they've shown Damian pointed out all the time they've shown spurts they've shown uh, uh, times in games where they can play at a high level why can't they stretch those those times out you know instead of being five minutes long maybe they can be 10 minutes long or something like that yeah and like I don't want to douse water on the season and, and Kings fans probably aren't going to want to hear this, but I, I have to think that like Monty McNair and Mike Brown have a, have a viewpoint of like, all right, we're probably not winning the title this year. So mm. let's see, let's see what, let's see what kind of experience we can get for this group. Right. Because there are steps you have to get to, to be a team that contends year after year. It doesn't just happen. You go from, you know, missing the playoffs for 16 straight years. And then all of a sudden you're like a legitimate title contender. Like I think part of the reason, another reason for the inactivity at the deadline, and they alluded to this was wanting this core to stay and learn together. And I know, you know, being a Bay area guy and coming, you know, growing up a Warriors fan, Kings fans aren't going to want to hear this, but like the Warriors had to take steps in 2013 and 2014 in those postseasons before they ultimately became a title contender in 2015. So I think that's that's part of the realistic view that this Kings team has is like, all right, we need to just get these reps. We need to get over the hump, get to the playoffs, see what type of team we have in the postseason, see how we need to improve in the in the offseason after that, and then go from there and then maybe make another big swing to potentially get another star or add guys on the edges when it, you know, when when they ultimately just can't defend anybody like the three-point contest and see see how I stack up against the best guys in the league. So I think that's where his mindset's at. I think he did one in college. Um, he listed off a whole bunch of names of guys he competed with, and I just didn't didn't know any of those dudes. Frankly, I'm not a huge college basketball guy. But no, Kevin Herter's excited, and and the team overall, just to have four guys at All Star Weekend is is pretty unique. You guys know this, like yeah. to have four the, to have the Kings being represented on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is a pretty big deal for the organization and and it's it's emblematic of of the steps the team the franchise has taken 
over these last oh, these last few months. So I, I think it's it's going to be a really fun opportunity for Herder. I think, you know, can is it going to help him maybe break out of his his sort of mini slump that he's been in? You know, like he he made four threes against Phoenix and he hadn't made more than three going back to January 25th. So almost, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it was a solid 10 games to where he's been in, in sort of this mini shooting slump after, you know, the first six weeks of the season, he was hovering around 50% from the three point line. So it, it's been a little bit of an up and down season for him in terms of, in terms of the way he's been shooting. Uh, but no, I, I think it's just going to be a fun experience for him. He's still a young guy. Uh, and he's going to have an opportunity to do, do something he's never done before. And frankly, looking at the field, like if he won it, it wouldn't really be all that surprising. He's a really good shooter. Um, he's given the Kings a lot in terms of the way they play offense is sort of imperative to have a shooter like him at the two guard. And I almost look at it like, you know, trading for him in the offseason was kind of the equivalent of a deadline deal mm. because it was like the Kings – sorely needed a shooter like a legitimate shooter at shooting at shooting guard to be um to take this offense to the next level and that was apparent throughout all last season when it was justin holiday and jeremy lamb right in the second half of the year so i think it's just emblematic of what herder brings this team the type of seasons he's he's been having and and ultimately how good of a move it was to get him for you know a first a, a protected first round pick that that I think ultimately, you know, I know the Hawks had had certain salary cap things they had to deal with, but I think it's been a pretty one-sided trade to this point with Atlanta. Hey, you you mentioned that, you know, you grew up a Warriors guy. You've seen, the, you know, a lot of great basketball from them over the I last I shouldn't have said that. I feel like Kings fans are just going to tune me out, like, at, at, from, from now on, just because I said that. You're going to get the Jason Snow- Jones Laker fan treatment now. Yeah, that's all it is. I, I think – I was about to say, do we have any writers that? Well, James Ham. James Ham was a Kings fan. But I was about to say we got oh, yeah. we got Chris Biederman, we got Jason Jones, Sarah Hodges. All got different allegiances. We're the last of the Mohicans here. We last one standing. But um, as Kings fans, but what I was going to say was, you've seen a lot of great basketball, and you've seen the evolution of somebody like Steph Curry. And I'm not saying that um, De'Aaron Fox is about to be Steph Curry. But I do want to know how what you've seen from him this year, the clutch moments, uh, games like he had on Saturday against Dallas. Does that give you kind of um, vibes or shades of what Curry was able to do as he was coming up and coming into his own as, as one of the top players in this league? Yeah, so I think that's a that's a really good point because, you know, when you talk to people with the Warriors, and I've covered the Warriors a little bit, but like, the thing is with Steph is he's sort of the tone setter with the organization in the way that like, you know, his work ethic is second to none. He he allows guys or um, emboldens guys to sort of reach at reach their their highest level of potential because they're motivated by his work ethic. Like he's he's just that figure that like lifts other people around him in intangible ways and that was always a question i had with De'Aaron fox was like all right he's a really talented player but we've seen a lot of really talented players in the nba just be that type of guy that doesn't lift teammates i think this year fox is sort of turning that corner right like the, the discussion about him wanting to stay in sacramento and you know wanting to be a one-team guy and you know putting down roots here and and he's becoming more of that tone setter i think within the organization when it comes to the work ethic you know, working out with Luke Locks at his honeymoon, right? Like doing that type of stuff, um, embracing Domana Sabonis and and putting in all the work, going to Napa and staying at his house and doing those things, um, putting in the work with Sabonis to build that two man game and that and that um, you know that chemistry that they so badly need. Like, I think Fox is getting there, and and it's been really impressive to see what he's done in the fourth quarter because if there's one one real tangible thing that that would translate to the playoffs. Like, so the Kings aren't like the Atlanta Hawks who have like a really good regular season and then just flame out in the first round of the playoffs. It's the way Fox scores in the fourth quarter, because that is, that is playoff type stuff. Right. And you could see maybe Fox going into fourth quarter mode, like in the first and second quarter in a playoff game. And then all of a sudden deer and Fox is scoring like 30, 40 points a night in the playoffs. And you're like, damn, this guy's really like that type of dude. Um, I think that could be something that translates to the playoffs uh, in a way beyond just like, oh, this is a really good offensive team who plays at a really fast pace in the regular season. But once 
once the tempo slows down in the postseason, everything's completely different. I, I think because De'Aaron Fox is such a good one-on-one scorer, that will translate to the postseason. So he's a confident dude. You talk to him, you like you ever ask him about getting to his spots, like he will tell you, I can always get to my spots. I can always get the shots I want to get. Um, and that's pretty apparent because it's it's very rare do you see him, particularly in a clutch situation, like be defended super well. Like he can get to his spots. He's really crafty. He changes his pace a lot. He's got a really good handle. He can go left or right. Um, his step backs are are pretty deadly. And when you have a good mid-range game, you know, teams so often like crowd the three-point line or defend the rim. Well, that leaves a lot of space in the mid-range. And that's where Fox operates, right? So uh, I think I think he's certainly on his way. I don't think, I mean, look, to say to say I think De'Aaron Fox is going to be the next Steph Curry would obviously be a stretch, but I think there's a real possibility that he can elevate himself to say like a Damian Lillard type where it's like you can count on that guy to be a franchise lifting star that elevates guys around him to where you don't have to worry about him. Like there's no, there isn't conversation like, Oh, this, this is somebody they probably need to move off of at some point. Like to me, that's where this conversation is with Fox. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can win with this guy because of what he does in the fourth quarter and because of the way he elevates his teammates and, and the offense you can play with him on the court. Um, whereas I wasn't necessarily sure about that, you know, during like last season, for example. Do you have a favorite moment so far this season? Um, the Utah game when Herder hit the hit the game winning three when they were down by two in December was a good one. Hmm. The I mean, the game against Dallas was a really good one. Like Kyrie Irving was throwing haymakers. Yeah. Like, you know, that that spin move with the left handed finish was like. You know, I was I, I I fell back in my chair when when Kyrie Irving did that. And I'm not a huge Kyrie guy, but you got to you got to respect the skill that that guy has. But that felt like a real playoff game. Um, and, you know, what the, the thing I wrote was like, yeah, Golden One Center's loud and it's been loud all season. But there was a different level of intensity in the building that night because of the team they were going against. The fact that, you know, it's a team competing for the third seed. It's Luka Doncic, one of the best players in the NBA. Um, it's Kyrie Irving. Like it's it's that that's that was a high level game with both teams playing well, and then you know De'Aaron Fox going crazy in the fourth quarter in overtime. Like that to me is probably the moment that that sticks in my head right now, and and maybe because it's you know it's it's the most recent one. But um, you know Saturday night, like it, it just felt like sort of the highlight of the season and. And the Kings had arrived a long time before that, but it didn't really feel like they had excelled in a whole lot of like huge game moments. Mm. But that one felt like they did. Like that one felt like a checkpoint. Like if if and when the Kings make the playoffs, there are going to be certain checkpoints we look at throughout the season. And I, I think that's going to be one of them. Chris, you are the man. Uh, we appreciate you so much. Chris Biederman, Sacramento B. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk more about the first half of the Kings season. The first part of the Kings season. Said it right the first time. When we return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. D-Lo and Casey. D-Lo and Casey continues on ESPN 1320. So... Two things here. Uh, Chris Biederman is a basketball fan who's bored during All-Star break, just like the rest of us. So he's going to hang out with us and talk some he's more basketball. So Chris, Chris, Chris Biederman, he's just like us. He's hanging out. I glanced over at the TV here, and this is just – this is terrible. The, 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 the PTI crew is talking to, to Brian Winhurst, mm-hmm. and the, the, the question on the screen is why are the Cleveland Cavaliers buying out Kevin Love? And they show, like, Kevin Love, like, stuffing a dunk on the rim and falling backwards they they're showing him missing threes by like 10 feet they're doing what cbs 13 did to us when they asked me about russell westbrook last year and just ran a long ass highlight reel of russ missing everything that's what they're doing hey, with man, kevin love I, right I here i shouldn't that, be laughing at that that was kind of funny though would that's you would you take for. would you take kevin love on the kings yes I would. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially for free, like not giving up anything, new contract. In a yeah. heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> TC, <Yeah>. in a heartbeat. <laughs> I'd yeah, I think I would too. Kevin Love. Yeah. It's another shooter and veteran experience. 
that that definitely wouldn't hurt. Yeah. It, it 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 works. It makes sense. I, he's not coming here. The Kings aren't getting anyone in the buyout market, and that's fine. Like you don't think they're getting anyone the, in the buyout market? What's that? You don't think they're getting anyone in the buyout market? I don't. I mean, like, look at like those. Not, no, like those guys are going to. We we talked about the Denver, Phoenix. They can't all go there though. Miami. Well, like, well, well, I, what? Then, then, what are we talking about? Like, like who? Nerlens who? Nerlens Noel isn't like the worst thing in the world. Nerlens, he hasn't even been bought out yet. <laughs> there's, there's like, that. he's still That's very true. much on a roster. <laughs> did Serge Ibaka get bought out? He did. Yeah. Uh, so he's yeah. available. Serge can't. Well, Serge can come here. My right. lovely better half just can't go watch the games. <laughs> she's got a she's got a little crust on Serge. Just gotta, just gotta befriend him, man. Kenny, Kenny's wondering why this seat, single seat season ticket holder uh, envelope has been sent to the Caraway compound. Uh, is, Sir, is Serge viewed that way? I didn't know he was like a. Oh, oh Serge is a heartthrob. The ladies, love is he okay? Oh, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, Serge is a heartthrob, and he's got an accent. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He, I, knew, yeah, I knew yeah. that. Okay, his All skin right. is almost a, as good as mine. He's a screen setter. <laughs> He's a role player and a screen setter. Bye. Bye. I love Giannis. He can get his revenge, I'll, play him in the finals. There you go. That's right. The Bucks versus the Kings. Let's go, baby. Let's get it. Let's go. Uh, well, no, I think Chris Biederman was right. The Kings will get to the finals in two years. Um, <laughs> we asked Chris uh, right before the break some of his favorite memories. I, I mean, I, I think – the Utah, I think the Utah game is going to come up for everybody. The Kevin Herter three uh, was just so massive, and I wasn't there uh, at the arena for that moment. But you know, I, I saw the response from people like this might be the loudest the Golden One Center ever was uh, for that for that three because it was it was loud on TV. Yeah, that, I remember it like that. That was the first time I've been in there, and it felt like it was sort of like the building was kind of vibrating. Mm-hmm. Which, which was, but that also happened Saturday when De'Aaron Fox had the steal and the dunk. Mm. Um, I think that was to go ahead yeah, in, in the first, that was the first time they took the lead in the fourth quarter of that Dallas game too. Man. So yeah, I think, I mean, man, it's going to be, you know, I hate to bring it back to the Warriors, but like, I think what the Kings could have in the playoffs this year in terms of environment is going to be better than the We Believe Warriors stuff. Mm. in 2007 like that it's been it's been much longer um for the kings like just the you know the the ending a streak i think is always the most fun part about like being a fan in sports like mm-hmm. being like the, the the situation the kings fans have now is like it's never gonna feel like when they make the playoffs it's never gonna feel like that again right because like you you went to oracle in 2007 and it was like completely electric and a large part of that was because it had been so long since fans had seen it. But like the third Kevin Durant year, even though that was arguably one of the best teams of all time, there wasn't near that level because it's like, all right, everyone's kind of used to watching them just kind of destroy everybody. Mm-hmm. So like the atmosphere this year and this spring, I think is going to be the best it's going to be until there is maybe potentially a run to, you know, deeper rounds in the playoffs. I agree. I think I'm like the, the, the only one that, uh, really um holds on to this memory i thought the fine especially like the in the totality the final like three minutes of that pistons game i thought that was lit they went crazy at the end of that pistons game and i just remember the 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 big moment was um they came back and i think they were up by one or something like that and they had a fox had a pick and roll with sabonis Sabonis kind of slipped the screen. It was a pocket pass to Sabonis. Sabonis found Kevin Herter in the corner for a three, and Kevin hits it. The place goes crazy, and then Kevin just walks. Just walks to the bench. Ain't no jog back. He just had this little walk with a strut back. Kayvon. Kayvon, and they was yeah. going nuts. I that, That's that's one of the top memories for me. I mean, also, you probably had some guy on uh, on the court side that was looking sheepish after that shot as well. In his Pistons jacket. Yeah, he wasn't too happy. Yeah. He, he wasn't Kev- too happy. Kevin's got some swag to him. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Absolutely. He he, he definitely does. Well, it, it, all right. We bring up the Pistons. We don't have to ignore the game on November thirtieth. 
No, no the, the, the Pacers like everybody was ready for the Pacers game, yeah. and remember the Kings had lost three in a row entering that game. Yep, and yep. you know Tyrese got his all right, got 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 his got his applause, and, and then they called Shivano's name, <laughs> and my goodness, that crowd let him have it, and they were on Shivano's neck all 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 game. And the in in the if I remember correctly, the first quarter was close. And then the Kings kind of stepped on the gas a little bit in the second mm-hmm. half. This was this started to be around the time where it was becoming clear, especially in person, that there was something wrong with De'Aaron. Mm-hmm. You would catch mm-hmm. De'Aaron kind of, you, you know, James would talk about this a lot, like the way he would walk back to the huddles of the locker room, you just knew like something's not right mm-hmm. with De'Aaron. And he 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 got that uh vibranium or something in, in him for that for that fourth quarter and he was oh he was he was cooking yeah, that uh, was defensive end and the offensive end he, that he was a race with the dream shake Remember that's right shake? that's right that's right that that was around the time that De'Aaron settled on a certain footwear brand after uh after moving mm-hmm. around a little bit yeah, yeah. that's when that he, Pacers uh, that Pacers game also had the uh Remember, it was a heck of a moment, too. They went crazy and go to one center where TD had a steal and a dunk, and then Malink stole it and gave TD yeah. the alley-oop. They went crazy for that one. That was that was crazy, too. Malik had – Malik, those those two combined for 35 in that game. Wow. Malik and Terrence had a combined 35 in that one. Play Terrence. Almost, as many, almost as many as Terrence had, or, or a little bit more than Terrence had on national television. Man, that game was crazy. Have you guys talked about the Brooklyn game? No, no. that's that. That was our first reference of it. Is that one right there? Yeah, that one. I mean, one fifty three to one twenty one. The, the The fact that, that like it was kind of talked about a lot. The fact that that was a TNT game. Like I was kind mm-hmm. of surprised at how much that was like a topic. But I guess since they never come here, like it was, it was a bigger deal than I anticipated. <laughs> yeah, to hang one hundred fifty three. What, wasn't it that, about that game was wild? Wasn't it about like four years since four or five years since they got a TNT game? I think it was somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. you guys would know better than me. Boogie's first game back in Sacramento, I think, it was the last one they got on. No, they got it like a Clippers game later too, something like that though. I'm looking at the record real quick: four, two, and four, five, six. So the Kings, okay, they had just gotten above 500, but that was their that was their fourth win in a row. Uh, that was their fourth win in that that seven game win streak that they had that Brooklyn game. Yep, they had just beaten the Warriors, and I know like I'm a broken record with this one. Go back a couple of nights that Laker game. I love De'Aaron Fox in that Laker game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they fought at crypto uh, to get that one, and that's that 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 will. It's not the flashiest, especially because it was on the road. But if you remember Fox's performance, I'm not going to say that was the birth of fourth quarter Fox, but man, he he made sure the Sacramento Kings won that game against Absolutely. the Lakers that night. Yeah. 32, 12, 7, and 2 in that in that one for De'Aaron. Wow. <laughs> what he said? You said 32 and 12 and 7? Yep. Jeez. Goodness. You know what moment should be bigger, but they stole it from us? Mm-hmm. Terrence Davis's dunk in the first game. Oh yeah, that would have been something. If you can remember the like game scenario, that dunk brought like it felt like okay, here we go. This is this is this is the push we've been waiting mm-hmm. for from the Kings. Like they're they're right there now. I think it was a two point game when Terrence dunked it. Yeah, and they called the technical foul. They get the free throw out of it, and then it was whatever. But that dunk should have been bigger. Than it was, but uh, and yeah. who, and 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 that you talk about setting the tone for the season, the official set the tone for the season with that technical <laughs> foul yeah. on Terrence Davis. Yeah, it yeah. broke a one hundred four tie with two eighteen left. Mm, okay. So it was an offensive rebound by TD and then a dunk, and to give the Kings a two point lead in the first game of the season, and he what looked at him and yelled. Yeah. I like, didn't even like directly even it, like yeah. it wasn't that Demos. He just yelled in the in the direction of Dame and got got the T. Yeah. I fe- I felt for TD on that one. Yeah, that was tough. That was definitely tough, man. They um 
We didn't even get to see the beam that night. We didn't. Hey, when did you? There were people who did. There were 17,000 people at the arena who may not have known that the beam existed. When did you notice the beam, Chris? You remember? Uh, we talked about it with them uh, before the season started. And I didn't even give it any mind. They're like, oh, yeah, we're doing this thing this year after wins. We're like going to light a beam. It's going to be this new thing. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't even I didn't even realize that like it didn't cross my mind that it would resonate as like a big thing for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's it's turned into it. It's a cool thing, man. The, the thing is with gimmicks like that. I love gimmicks that involve winning and that fans can enjoy without having to buy stuff. You know, like I, I love when fans can just enjoy something that's cool without having to spend twenty eight bucks on a panda hat or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like just as an example. Baby but like, I, I think stuff like that is cool. Yeah, baby giraffe. Nobody, nobody yeah, needs exactly. a baby giraffe hat in this situation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I was trying to think. It's funny we talked about it yesterday. That Warriors game that they ended up winning. Um, I think they. I'm pretty sure they lit the beam that night. And nobody, I don't remember it. I never looked to the sky, not once. Nobody did. I think the first time I really noticed it was, ironically enough, the first time I was like, let me go see the beam was after De'Aaron shot against Orlando. Because I think it had been talked about a little bit, and then they won. And I would think I was halfway to downtown, and Reese was in the car. He's like, oh, that means the beam's up. Let's go look at the beam. And we went and saw the beam. But that De'Aaron at the Aaron Orlando game, jeez, that was that was a moment yeah. right there. This dude pulled up from the logo, splash, game time. We out of here. That was a moment. And they were down twenty in that yeah. game, and 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 fought their way back. And 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 the, and was it was was that what, was that was the game where Malik turned it over? Right, yeah, they turned it over. A live ball turnover led to a dunk to tie it. To they tie the game. A timeout. Five seconds left. De'Aaron just yep. goes down the court. Walked it up. Yeah. And Kamara said, I looked at the guy next to me, and I said, he going to pull up. <laughs> there wasn't even no up. time to even say that. He going to pull up right here. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 